1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. And last week, Jay Lee started us off um, focusing on verses 1 through 2 and the topic of sin. So if you missed that, I do encourage you uh, to listen to it. Jay also encouraged us to take time to read through these verses on our own throughout the weeks. Um, and I would echo that encouragement, and I'd even encourage you to read the whole book of 1 John. It's five chapters, um, so it's not too long, and it really will add depth and context to what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. Especially in 1 John, when you read it, um, the author, who, who we're pretty sure was John, he kind of repeats himself and comes back to these themes. And so as you read it, it really does reinforce kind of what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, if you would join me in whatever way you feel comfortable, I'm going to pray to kick us off. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the ways that you have already met us um, through the, the time of musical worship um, and chatting together. I thank you that um, in this place, not because of this place, but because of the people and your spirit here, uh, your presence is with us. And so I pray that as I share this morning that your spirit would continue to work, that you would meet each one of us where we're at, that regardless of what is said, that people would be met, that people's hearts um, would be encouraged, and that we would leave this place just slightly different, not because of of words that we heard, but because of a real-life interaction with the God of the universe, who is nearer to us than we can even comprehend. So I ask that your words would be shared, um, that we would understand more of who you are this morning. Amen. So this morning, as opposed to sin, we are going to be talking about love. I decided to go the opposite direction of Jay Lee. Um, And to be fair, he was asked to to focus on those verses, and I was given free reign. So... um, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. And this has nothing to do with the fact that Valentine's Day is on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be looking at a very different aspect of love. But if you are someone who celebrates Valentine's Day, let this be your reminder to make some plans for your significant other. Um, get those Valentines made for your kids to pass out in their classes because um, it is coming up on Tuesday. Um, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11 this morning, and you can follow along uh, as I read them. Dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. 
If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. The message that Jay gave us last week about sin and our struggle with sin, that we sin even when we don't want to, and the forgiveness that is offered to us through God is a really great foundation for us to understand these verses and talking about love this morning. We love others because of God's love for us. We are all broken. We have all been hurt. We are all in desperate need of love. In 1 Corinthians 2, 5, 14, and 15, it says that the love of Christ compels us to live for other people. We don't love others because of our own goodness or moral uprightness. We don't love others just of ourselves, but any love that we have and any love that we express is coming from God, if we're aware of it or not. All throughout the book of 1 John, this is stated in different ways. The message is super clear. We love God because he first loved us, and God is love. If we say that we love God, we will abide in him, we will follow his commandments, and we will love others. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel were, were told to love God and to love their neighbor. Jesus renews this commandment all throughout the Gospels by instructing his followers to love like he does, which means to love your enemies, to love everyone around, and to ultimately be willing to give up your life out of love for other people. So Jesus takes this old command and says, yes, that is it, but he gives this new depth and meaning to it. And here in 1 John, we are reminded of that old commandment that is made new for us. If you've been in church for a while, or if today's your first Sunday, I'm quite confident you have been taught to love. This is not some revolutionary concept, right? Um, but I think as we're reading through 1 John, we need to sit with it. Because like so many things we hear, it's like, of course, love others, right? You tell your kids, like, love your brother, you know, and you're supposed to show love to all sorts of people. And so we're going to sit here for a little bit this morning and, and give ourselves time and space to really think about what it means to follow these very well-known commands. If I asked each one of you to define love, um, I'm sure I would get a multitude of answers, right? And all of you would be right to one degree or another. I don't claim to have the ultimate comprehensive definition of love, nor do I have the best answer of how we should love each other. But I do want to give us some things to consider, and I want to give us some time to sit with that and to let the Holy Spirit reveal to us what aspect of these very well-known messages he has for us to really uh, dwell on in a different way this morning. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, please don't write it off. Uh, I know we hear this many times. It's on cute little wall hangings and red at weddings. Um, but there's a lot more to it here than I think we often give it credit for. So this is obviously not the full verse, but I just wrote out everything that it says love is. And I'm going to actually read these. I ask you to kind of read them and try to think about the words uh, in a new way. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. 
Love is not irritable. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. If you were here during the, the musical worship set, we sang the song Reckless Love. And, and this is a reckless love. The love that God gives to us and the love that he enables us to show each other, it doesn't make sense. I love the, the words in that song that there's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up, no wall he won't break down, no lie he won't tear down. Don't hold me exactly, but those are the concepts, right? And I remember one of the first times I heard that song, I like pictured some like action movie character, which is not really my genre of movie, but it's like climbing up walls, right? Like shining spotlight, like kicking down walls, climbing up mountains. It's this like fight, and it says, right? He will fight for our love. Like Jesus is pursuing us relentlessly. And I want us to think about what that would look like if that's the way we loved each other, right? Like when someone says something that's, that's not true, that we like shine a spotlight on it, right? We're like, that is a lie. That we climb mountains for each other, that we break down walls that are in the way to show love to people. And that, that is, is radical. And it's hard, right? It's like, it sounds dramatic, like tear down a wall, climb up a mountain. Like it's hard. If you've ever like climbed a mountain or tried to tear down a wall, it takes work, it takes effort. You have to go out of your way. But this is the kind of love that God shows to us and that he allows us to show to each other. So I want you to think for a minute of a time where you have received that kind of love. This 1 Corinthians 13, this reckless action movie type of love where someone broke through what you were putting out, what you were hiding, and showed you this kind of love. In verses 9 through 11, it says, If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. These verses are talking specifically about loving other Christians. Now, there are plenty of instances in the Bible where we are called to love all people, and that is extremely important. But I want us to focus on this specific aspect of loving others who claim to follow Jesus. I grew up in a very small and isolated community on an island, and for most of my growing up, there was just one Protestant church. And this was a really formative experience in developing my, my understanding of Christian community. Because if, you, if there was a disagreement with someone in the church, or if someone didn't like the new style of worship music, or if the theology didn't exactly line up with yours, there was literally no other church to go to. You couldn't drive to the next town. You couldn't go to the one down the street. You couldn't even go to a different bank or post office or grocery store. So even if you were like, I'm done with church, like you still saw those people. Your kids went to the same schools. You literally had to take a boat to get to and from. So, like, you were stuck with people. Um, now, there are definitely times where churches are unhealthy, and it is appropriate for people to leave those churches. But I think often God calls us to work through the disagreement. 
learn how to worship with a different style of music and to have constructive conversations about theology. I think we would be much better off if we did that. But living here especially, there is like church every corner. You can find some, you can start a new one. You could just sit in on your couch and watch YouTube or a live service somewhere, anywhere in the world, right? We have this option to just bail. And I think that that sometimes is a disservice because we don't stick with it. We don't struggle with what it means to be in these communities and to love people um, when, it's, when it's difficult. For me, it's often harder to love Christians who I disagree with than people who don't claim to follow Jesus at all, right? Fellow Christians, they push my buttons. They bring up these sore spots. They make me way more angry because I want them to follow Jesus like I do. I want them to understand the Bible like I do, right? I want them to be convicted of that plank in their eye. I want them to <laughs> treat others the way they want to be treated. I want them to love like Jesus did. But unfortunately, those verses don't work that way. You don't get to apply those to other people. I think it's, it's for us. I have to look at the plank in my eye, right? I mean, that's exactly what that verse says. Like, and, and I think it's, I mean, it, it, it feels to me when I get in that mood, I feel like that's what the disciples did all the time, right? They try to like hold this stuff against people. And God, Jesus is like, no, no, no. Like, that's for you. And, and so we have to, to be putting those things on ourselves. But it's so much easier to, to hold that against other people. What I'm learning here at One Life, what, what I've been learning, and One Life has been a part of this, is that it's okay to disagree, um, and we can still have love. We can still have respect, and we can still have unity. Paul often warned the new churches to stop being so divisive, right? To stop fighting over all these things. But I don't think that means don't disagree. I think that means don't disagree to a point where you're breaking relationship, where you're harming the community. Because I think often disagreements can, can lead to truer, deeper love, respect, and unity. Because we're not just focused on we all think the same way, right? We're, we're figuring out how to love each other even when we disagree. But just like kind of holding those things against other people uh, and loving non-Christians easier, divisiveness comes easier. Criticism, resentment, self-righteousness, those come a lot easier to me. And they, they feel better sometimes. There's this, I think sometimes there can be this um, kind of cool factor about being resentful and bitter, you know? Um, and and I, I, I do that. Sometimes those come a lot easier. And even as I was preparing this message, I was like, there's certain people in my life that I wish would hear this because they're so resentful, right? And so then I'm even like... I'm like, no, wow, like I, <laughs> but that is not what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to this 1 Corinthians 13, right? That's hard. Being patient and kind, ah, it's a lot easier to be resentful and annoyed, right? Like those, those come easier. In Luke 6, 27 through 31, uh, Jesus says, if you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners Love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. 
The kind of love that Jesus calls us to is not this Valentine's Day feel-good love, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's great to love people who love you. But Jesus is calling us to a deeper, truer, and a harder kind of love. Now, I want to be super clear here. There is a place for accountability in love. There is time where relationships need to be broken or separated. There is time where boundaries need to be set up. And there is time where anger needs to be expressed. But if you're anything like me, like I just said, those things come easier. I don't want to show grace. I don't want to be kind and patient. But I think that's often what God calls us to do. So there is some discernment there, right? You don't just love no matter what. There are times where we need to to protect and set up boundaries. But I think we often conceptualize love and growth similarly. Everyone says, like, I want to love, of course. Like, I want to grow. I want to become a better person. Until you get challenged. Until you realize you might be wrong. Until you have to sacrifice something or struggle. And then it's like, actually, I just want to be selfish and sit on my couch and watch TV, right? Like, I don't want to grow in love. We kind of romanticize these things um, because they they sound good. and, And we do want to, right? I think we do want to love and we do want to grow But when they get hard, which they are hard, then we kind of back off. And so I want us to to remember as we think about this 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love that the Holy Spirit has to empower us to do that. It's not, I don't think it's a very difficult, complex concept, but it can be very hard to implement because we can't do it on our own power. And even with the Holy Spirit's power, it can be quite challenging. As a community of Jesus followers, I believe that we are called to continuously grow in our love. And 1 John gives us this framework. We abide in God's love, we follow his commands, and then his love will be in us. Abide is a word used in the Bible, but it is a very churchy kind of word. But I think it's really beautiful that we we dwell with God, we sit with him, we're in his presence, we read the word, uh, we fellowship with other believers, we engage in prayer and contemplative practices. We need to sit with God so that we can receive his love. And when his love is in us, it will naturally flow out of us. That is how it works. And if we are all loving others, then we are all being loved, right? And this can be almost as hard as loving for some of us to receive this love from other people. Because showing love requires humility, it requires sincerity, it requires vulnerability. And receiving love requires those same things. And sometimes that can be really difficult. I hope that earlier you were able to think of an instance where you genuinely received love. And if you couldn't, then I can sincerely say that you are in the right place. That the people sitting in these chairs, I believe that we as a church really desire to love people in this way. And I have been a recipient of this kind of love from many of you in this community, and I have seen this kind of love given. And that is a really beautiful thing. Love is not always this difficult, find the person that bugs you the most and love them, right? It can also be this amazing part of community where we are seen and we are known 
and people love us despite what they see and know of us. And they kick down those walls and climb those mountains, right, to show us love. And so I encourage you, if you do not feel this love, or if you need it in a new way, then come to the Super Bowl party today. Talk to one of our pastors or our leaders. Ask about joining a small group. Come play basketball with us once a month. Um, come help Nan with the sensory garden. Get connected because people here genuinely want to love you. Now, we're not going to agree on a lot of things. We have hurt each other, and we will hurt each other again, right? This is not some, I don't want to paint this picture that we just make sensory gardens and eat chips together all the time, right? <laughs> um, it's difficult to live in this kind of community. But when things get real, which they do, as Tom said in the beginning, all of us uh, have stuff internally, and if not internally at this moment, you don't have to look farther than the person next to you or listen to the news for five minutes. There is a lot going on, but we are called um, to be in this together, and I think that as a church, we do this really well. So I really encourage us that as we continue to seek Jesus together, that we abide in his love so that we can show his love um, and that we can receive his love. Because that, that's the only way we're going to make it in this world that, that is uh, very difficult and broken. I'm going to ask Tom to come up and just play some background music for us. I have a few reflection questions. Um, and I encourage you to really try to take some time. Um, in addition to the, the Super Bowl party and those things I said, Dennis and Carrie will be up here uh, on your right after church. And come get prayer from them, too. Um, they will also probably give you a hug, which is a great way uh, to feel that love. So I want you to think about what is one way that you can intentionally abide in God's love this week? And how can you show 1 Corinthians 13 love to someone this week? And then what is one way that you can be more open to receive?